just in a moment after the sermon, uh, you will hear three baptism candidates who are gathered here, uh, Rachel, Ella, and Jossie here, uh, their testimony about how they decided to follow Jesus. They have trusted in Jesus, and now they want you to know their decision to follow him, to join them in their journey in following Jesus. And baptism candidates, uh, this message is for you. I join you in prayer that as you decide to follow Jesus, as you have made the decision already, I pray that you will not waver in your decision, but really to follow him throughout your life. And church, as a church, we have been walking through the book of Mark in its entirety. And today's section that we are going to study that was just read to us had some implication and lessons for us as well. There are two accounts that we just read. First account we just read, here Jesus calls the 12 disciples. would be a great idea for you to have the word open so that you know what I'm talking about. And as Jesus calls 12 disciples, now he sends them out. And in the second account we just read, here King Herod Antipas, at the request of his wife and his wife's daughter, mercilessly and unjustly, killed John the Baptist. Through this text, I want you to remember these three lessons and want you to consider uh, what, the Lord of, what the Word of God has for us. So first thing we are going to talk about, uh, decide now. Decide now and follow Him. Follow Jesus all the days of your life. Second thing we learn, as you decide to follow Him, we will learn, consider the cost of your decision and also cost of indecision. Uh, there is the cost of decision that John the Baptist made, and there is also the cost of indecision that Herod was not able to make. And lastly, this indecision, sometimes doubt, being stuck in a limbo, is for all of us, even for believers. How do we overcome being stuck in a limbo when you just don't know how to navigate forward in your life? Just because you trusted Jesus as your Savior, baptism candidate, that does not mean your life will be walking the park. There will still be filled with darkness and hardships. And there are times that you would not know how to navigate your life. How do you overcome being stuck in a limbo? Let's talk about that. First, when you look at the first passage here, 7 through 13, we learn, decide now and follow him. Look at verse 7. It says, calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirit. Here you see that those Jesus called, those whom Jesus called, he sends them out. The prerequisite of being sent out is being called. And baptism candidate, you have been called by Jesus. You have trusted Jesus as your Savior. And now as you send out, go wherever he calls you. If you look at 8 through 11, here Jesus gives instructional manual about how to go. And then in verse 12, without any hesitancy, any delay, without any doubt, they go to fulfill the mission of Jesus. Verse 12, it says, They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So they go as Jesus sent out. Jesus called, disciples came. Now Jesus sent and disciples go. Jesus go. 
just like that. Our calling is to come to him just as we are. Because it is Jesus who calls us. And now when he calls us, now he's calling us to follow the very mission, to live out our lives for him and his glory. So wherever Jesus calls you, baptism candidate, will you go? Will you obey and surrender your lives to him? And as you go, though, decide now, predetermine now to follow him rest of your life, that you will not waver in your decision to follow him. May that be the anchor point. But as you go here, Jesus gives a couple instruction manual. Notice how Jesus sends it out in verse 7. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two. He sends us out not as an alone soldier, but as a community of God. And in verse 10 here, Jesus tells them to live among the people they minister. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. Here, Jesus is about to show the importance of communal living because this life is filled with not just walking a park, but you will face rejection. You will face suffering. You will face darkness. It says in verse 11, Jesus preemptively lets them know what is to come. If any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet. Uh, there are times that you will not be welcomed. <laughs> and know that kind of hardship is coming. And what Jesus is encouraging all of us who are gathered here today, yes, he saves us alone, but he never leaves us alone. He always is there with us and calls us into community. So you're not going to be able to handle rejection alone in your life. You're not going to be able to handle the darkness of your life. You need a friend who gets you, who are on the mission together with you. When you're down, friend is there to pick you up. Who is the people of God for you? You are not called to live your life alone, but into community. As you decide now to go and fulfill the mission of God, go with the people of God. Now, as you go, I also want you to consider the cost of your decision to follow Jesus and also consider the cost of indecision. Now, let me speak to two different groups of people here. Now, as our baptism candidates will express through the video, their commitment they made, a desire to follow Jesus, some of you who are gathered here perhaps have not. You maybe have been visiting us for the last month or so, or perhaps you are here because your baptism candidate invited you. You are still exploring Jesus, but have not fully made up your mind yet. Oh, I do pray that the word of God will speak to you. What we are about to see is a big implication for you right now. You are. If you have been considering Jesus, but haven't really made up your mind, I do pray that today may be the day of your salvation. We are so thankful that you have come to be part of us in our baptism service. And for those of us who have trusted Jesus as our personal Savior, another group here who are gathered here, just because you trusted Jesus, as I said already, that does not mean life will be easy. Consider the cost of your decision. There will be darkness in your life ahead as well. And just because you trusted Jesus, that does not mean also that you know exactly how to conduct your life. There will be times that you just wouldn't know what to do. What are we supposed to do in this situation? God, I want to follow you, but I just don't know what to do. You will see what the word of God has here. So second, consider the cost of your indecision and decision. Well, we have some children here with us, and in first service, we had a whole lot of children in the first service. 
And I don't know what your plans are tomorrow, whether you want to go out trick-or-treat in Halloween, or maybe you have some alternative plan. Uh, when I lived in New Jersey, there were just theme park Six Flags. I used to go there sometime. And around this time, they have this thing called the Fright Fest, where a bunch of people dress up like ghosts, come down and sneak out and scare you. And I get spooked really easily. I hated it. <laughs> but the text that we are about to see here today, actually, this is the ultimate Halloween passage, actually. What's happening is this. Here, King Herod hears about the fame of Jesus. But then in his mind, oh, this guy, Jesus, wait a second. Is Jesus actually John the Baptist I killed? The memory of John the Baptist haunts him in this passage. The summary of plot is very simple. King Herod Antipas, at the request of his wife Herodias and her daughter, kills John the Baptist, but it still haunts him. Look, verse 16. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. And after that, it's like the movie. He has a reflection scene of what happened, what he did, how he ended up ordering to kill John the Baptist. When you read this account, Chelton, it's really easy to think this is all about John the Baptist. But author John Mark does not spend too much time describing John the Baptist, but spends a whole lot of time describing the emotional, mental, spiritual state of King Herod. In this passage, you not only learn the cost of following Jesus, but also the cost of your decision. But the ultimate tragedy in this passage is not that John the Baptist is killed. The ultimate tragedy you will find in this passage is that King Herod had every single opportunity to trust Jesus Christ, but in the end, he rejected him. Notice what's happening. Look, verse 12. Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. In one sense, here, like it's a pretty strong word. King Herod actually liked to listen to John. There's something winsome, something truthful about him that he was captivated, drawn to the very message that John the Baptist was speaking. At the same time, John the Baptist... Herodians are the group of people who followed Herod. They would always praise Herod. You can do no wrong. But John the Baptist comes, hey, you should not have married your wife. You should not have stole your wife from your half-brother Philip. So in one sense, he was like upset with him, drawn to him. On the other side, he just did not know what to do with this guy. So he says in verse 20, he was greatly puzzled. The puzzled is the Greek word aporeo. If you take out the first prefix aporeo, means to make up your mind, move forward with your decision decisively. But apoeo means to be a confused state of mind. It means to be at a loss, to be in doubt, to be uncertain. It means paralyzed without knowing what to do. In other words, one sense, Herod really liked to listen to him. John was in prison. He had every, who was John declaring? Jesus Christ. But then whom, Herod was like, okay, this guy's something of something. I'm drawn to him. I want to get to know him, but uh, I don't know what to do with him. And what happens? Verse 26, the king was greatly distressed because he didn't know what to do. But because of his oath and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her. In the end, he was just bought into peer pressure of his wife Herodias and her daughter by ordering John the Baptist to be killed, just like Pontius Pilate. 
In the end, they were just, okay, I'll just let people do whatever they want to do. What's such a puzzling, ironic oxymoron about this text is that Herod enjoyed listening to John. He was drawn to him. He had every opportunity to trust Jesus. But in the end, he never seized the opportunity. But who seized the opportunity? Not Herod, but his wife Herodias and his daughter. Look, verse 21, what does it say? Finally, the opportune time came. This opportune time wasn't for Herod. He had all the opportunity to learn about Jesus and trust him. Every time he heard it, he was puzzled. But in the end, pulls back. But when the opportune time came for Herodias and her daughter, seized that opportunity to ask Herod to kill John the Baptist. So now, here's the question for you. Let me circle back to two groups of people I've talked about. Many of you who are here, first of all, still exploring Jesus. May I tell you, just like it wasn't an accident that John the Baptist was in a prison, that Herod was able to hear about Jesus Christ, it is not an accident that you are here today. You are about to hear the three baptism testimony of how Jesus saved them. You are, you've been hearing the gospel message we have been singing. You have been hearing that Jesus crucified and resurrected. Today is the day of your decision. You might have been puzzled. Well, Jen, I am drawn to Jesus, but I don't really buy that. Would you consider him? The greatest tragedy is not the John the Baptist. He knows his outcome. He knows where he'll be. But the greatest tragedy is the king of Herod, while he was drawn to Jesus, he's just puzzled. And when you look at Luke 23, in the end, this king Herod actually ends up meeting Jesus. Herod Antipas meets Jesus because he heard so much about Jesus through John and others. He's intrigued by Jesus. Very intrigued, fascinated. But in the end, Herod just mocks Jesus. In the end, the greatest tragedy is that Herod did not come to make up his mind and the decision was made for him. So those of you who are here today, the greatest gift that you can receive in your life is this eternal hope. That does not mean our lives will be easy. I'm not saying that your lives will be walking apart, but there's something unwavering hope that you want to if you search deep in your heart. Will you truly consider Jesus? Don't make the same mistake that the Herod makes here in this passage. And for those of you who have trusted Jesus, sometimes we waver too. Sometimes we are puzzled. Even though we follow Jesus, I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck in a situation. I'm in puzzled. How are we supposed to overcome being stuck in a limbo? Uh, as I was reading through a passage, I would have loved to, oh, I identified John the Baptist. I'm persecuted in the name of Jesus. But I realized I identified with King Herod so much too. I'm like, I'm often puzzled. I know Jesus is my Savior, but a whole lot of times I'm just puzzled, pulled in different direction. God, I don't know what to do. Lastly, third, how do you overcome being stuck in a limbo so that we don't make the lethal mistake that the King Herod makes in this passage? First, know that Jesus understands your wavering. Know that Jesus understands your doubt. Know that Jesus understands your indecision. He does. He's still compassionate, God. Still come to Jesus just as you are. If you have been around the block of Chelton, you probably have heard me pray this a lot. Oftentimes when I close the sermon, often I, I pray here in public, I continue to find myself saying, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
The prayer that I often pray here at Shelton is actually taken from Mark 9, which we will explore as you explore through the book of Mark. Here the father brings the son who is having a convulsion issue. And Jesus, he asked, hey, Jesus, can you heal my son? And Jesus said, do you believe that I can heal your son? And he said, I believe. I believe that you can, but help my unbelief. So does Jesus say, oh, you little face, I'm not going to heal your son, goodbye. No, even in his wavering, even in his doubt, even in his uncertainty, Jesus still draws near to him and ministers to him. Come to Jesus in the middle of your indecision. Come to Jesus in the middle of your wavering. Tell him, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I know you have taken care of my eternity, but I'm upset about what's going to happen tomorrow. I love that you're taking care of my future, but sometimes I get so anxious because I don't know what to do about what tomorrow lies ahead. That's okay. Come to Jesus just as you are. Second thing we learn here, once you come to Jesus, even in your middle of wavering, middle of indecision, now it's the time to decisively surrender your ideal and submit to God's leading. The greatest tragedy here for Herod is that he heard about Jesus, but he only considered, but in the end never makes up his mind. He only hardens his heart. In the end, decision was made for him because he was bought into that peer oppression. For those of you who follow Christ, now it's time to predetermine yourself to surrender your ideal and let God submit to God's leading in your life. Look at John the Baptist here in this passage, Shelton. Virtually, there is no mention of John the Baptist except that he confronted Herod here. There's no mention of Job being, Job, Job, John being fearing before Herod, anything like that. He faithfully comes and goes. Look at one of the first martyrs in the Steve, book of Acts, Stephen. He proclaims God and comes and goes. Look at Paul. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is cost of your decision. But that's not the greatest tragedy because we know our outcome is secure because we have heard it. Our baptism candidates are about to say it because we believe in crucified and resurrected Messiah. Now, when you come to Jesus, know whom you have trusted and surrender your ideal before him. And God, I don't know. I come in my wavering. Believe me, I am willing to obey no matter what it costs in my life. Will you be able to do that? Sometimes in your life, baptism candidates, there will be days like today that are yay, exciting. And there are days that sometimes you will be rejected. You will be filled with suffering days by day. You might feel like everything's falling apart. But know that then may be the time that God may be falling things into place. That even when you don't see it, God is still there to work all things out according to his goodness. So come to Jesus when you don't know what to do. Come to him. He's ready to welcome you. All who are gathered here, yes, still are wavering in your decision to follow Jesus. Come with your doubt. That's okay. Continue to consider, but never remain there. But open your heart to Jesus and never be like Herod in the end who only hardens your heart. Believers, you will be okay, not only in suffering, but even unto death, because we know that our outcome is secure. The tragedy is not John the Baptist, as we imagine. Yes, it's an awful account, unjust and merciless account. The 
greatest tragedy is that there is the man who could have trusted Jesus, but in the end rejected him. And he wavers till the end. When I look at a sleeping infant in mother's arm, there's nothing that gives me more equilibrium and tranquility in my heart. There's no doubt in this infant mind. This infant is out in mother's arm, completely content, like a winged child in mother's bosom. They're happy and content because they, they, don't, they know that their mom is going to take care of them. Shelton, Jesus will take care of you. Even though you may feel like in your indecision, in your wavering, your life is falling apart, the one who has saved you will carry you through. Look to our crucified and resurrected Messiah. He is our hope. He is our certainty, even in the middle of uncertainties. Will you behold him today? Let's pray together. God, I am sympathetic today toward those who are wavering. Perhaps sometimes their indecision comes with knowing the cost of their decision. (laughs) They just don't know what to do, scared and afraid. Sometimes we are just unaware or we don't know what is best. God, even in our wavering, O Lord, allow us to come to you just as we are. And God, I do lift up those of us who are gathered here still exploring the ultimate hope of a life. God, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. Don't let these testimonies that they are about to hear go to waste, but pierce through their heart. And, O Lord, today I pray that you remind us the joy of our salvation. You have redeemed us at the cross of Jesus Christ. Remind us the glorious joy we have in you and help us to live for you. Predetermine ourselves to live for you no matter what costs us, for that's what you have called us today. Send us out for your glory. And, O Lord, as we hear, I pray that you stir our affection. In your precious name we pray. Amen.